Um, So our Bible reading today comes from Luke 24, starting at verse 13. Luke 24, starting at verse 13. That very day, that's the day of Jesus' resurrection, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they'd even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going, He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Morning, everyone. Uh, just before I get going, um, there's these at the back uh, table there, I think. If one's for kids, I think, and one is for bigger kids uh, or adults, as people call them. And uh, yeah, just a bit of an outline there for you guys to write along um, if you'd so uh, enjoy that. I wonder if you guys have ever seen the show Undercover Boss before. Um, it's a pretty simple um show. It's pretty much what the title says. It's a boss that goes undercover um, in a workplace. Generally, they're bosses of massive, massive companies. Um, They don a disguise, a hat, a wig, um, glasses usually, and they go around uh, their workplaces and 
try and find out what these employees that they've never met before um, can go and listen to how they view the company and how they view the big boss. These employees, of course, not knowing that this new uh, employee that they're talking to is actually that very big boss. And so there's three things that happen in, in every uh, Undercover Boss episode. There's the setup where the boss dons the disguise and goes. There's the big reveal that uh, then the boss um, brings the employees in and, and takes off the mask and, and the wig and, and suddenly they realise, wow, this is, this is the big boss. I can't believe it. And, of course, then there's the reaction at the end if we get to hear what uh, the employees really thought went on and how their minds have been blown. And that's kind of what we see happening in this passage here this morning is we see the three things that will make up our three points, the setup, the reveal, and the reaction. And so this passage in Luke is uh, an encounter that we only find out um, about from Luke. It's not in the other Gospels. And it's the same subject um, as the previous chapter um, of talking about the resurrection of Jesus, but it's from a very different perspective. Uh, it's from two people walking to ordinary people, um, and it has a very different outcome to that previous chapter as well. And so this morning's passage shows us the importance, not just for the people in this story, but for all of us here today, uh, of not just knowing of Jesus, but knowing who Jesus really is. So let's take a look at the first point, the setup. So we read that uh, these two people were walking to Emmaus, which is generally um, considered to be about three hours um, from Jerusalem that they're walking. So they're Cleopas and his friend are walking along and they're discussing and they seem to be having some kind of heated debate that's going on about what's been happening back in Jerusalem the last couple of days. And they come across this stranger and their eyes are blinded to see who this stranger really is but we can see from the passage that this is in fact Jesus. And so they talk to this stranger and, and Jesus Pretending to be stranger, their eyes are blind. He says, what are you guys chatting about? What, what, what's got you so hated? And they stop in their tracks. They can't believe that this, this man doesn't know what's been going on. I mean, this trial of Jesus, this execution, this crucifixion of Jesus was such a public thing, and yet this man doesn't seem to, be knowing, seem to know what's going on. So Jesus is being a bit, a bit cheeky, a little bit, a little bit coy here, like the undercover boss in disguise. He's trying to figure out exactly what these men know about him. And so through the questioning of this stranger, we see what the men really think about Jesus. They say that Jesus was a man from Nazareth, that he was mighty in word and deed, that the chief priests and rulers gave him, gave him over, condemned him to die. That they had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel, but it seems like he wasn't. They're disappointed, they're disheartened. But it's not really, if we look at this explanation of who Jesus is, it's not really a, a bad understanding of who Jesus is. It's got some, some good elements in there, some correct things in there, <clears throat> except it's missing the most vital point, 
the thing that makes up the whole gospel, that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus has died and he has rose again on this third day that they were so downcast and upset about. And it's here that we see that their hopelessness, that they don't really know who Jesus is. They were unaware of this third day, the third day that Jesus had said time and time again that he would rise from the dead, the third day that confirmed that Jesus was the Son of God, the third day from where the resurrection Satan would be defeated, that this very day, and yet they were still without hope. They were without hope. They couldn't believe, despite having an account that we read of, of the women that have gone in the chapter before we read that, that they've gone, that they saw that the tomb was empty, they came back to these men and the other disciples, they shared what had happened, and yet these, these two didn't believe it. It wasn't the empirical evidence that they so badly wanted. But we know, and as we see in the rest of the passage, that this isn't actually the end of their hope, that it's the very beginning of their hope. So we see that this stranger, Jesus, rebukes them. He says, you foolish ones, was it not necessary that Christ should suffer? And Christ had spoken so often about his, his coming death, spoken of the new spiritual life and confirmed his teachings, that he was going to suffer. He had foretold, foretold this many times, and yet these people didn't see it. It seemed to have fallen on deaf ears. And I wonder if sometimes, or perhaps in your life, or you know people that have been like this in their relationship with Christ, that they might know Jesus, they might be sitting in church and singing the songs or or pray the prayers, or, or have the right answers. But yes, they're missing who Jesus really is. Maybe you're like this. You've been coming to church. You've been hearing sermons preached. You've been attending growth groups and, and Bible conferences. You know the right answers to say. But you're missing Christ. You don't really know who Christ is. If, that, if that's you, then I invite you to look at these next verses and we get to see who Christ really is. And Christ recalls that he, he had to suffer and in this explanation that he gives, he's going along this walk with these men that, as I said earlier, is about three to four hours walk. So he gives a pretty good explanation and, and unpacking of the gospel, of his life. He goes to the Old Testament, to the prophets, and says, this was foretold. This isn't a reason to be upset or to be hopeless. But in fact, this is a sign that, that what's been happening is real, is true, is right. That the prophets spoke about it, that Christ did these things, and yet these two had missed it. So Christ makes it clear that this suffering that they were so upset about, that they saw on the cross, that this was actually not something to mourn about, but something to have hope in. And I think this is also just a lesson for us today to see that 
that through Christ's explanation of, of the gospel, that he went back to the Old Testament, that he went back to what the prophets said about, about who he was, that it shows very clearly that, that all of this has been leading to this very moment that, that these two were in, these three days, the death and the resurrection of Christ. And for us, I think it's very important to remember that the Old Testament is still just as relevant today, that we can still get these great things out of the Old Testament, that we can go back and we can see that, yeah, Christ was foretold, that he was prophesied about, that it does give evidence and credence to the claim that Christ is this Son of God. That if we want to know Christ, we also should know the Old Testament. And so that when people object about starting with the Old Testament or that maybe we shouldn't do Bible studies on the Old Testament because it's not perhaps as exciting or as interesting as the New Testament, this very clearly shows how important that is, that we should be teaching the, the whole counsel of God. And so this word of God illustrates the reality and, and the realisation of God's promise that Christ is this Messiah, that he is known throughout the whole Bible, that he's the central piece leading from the very beginning of Genesis. And Christ here tells that instead of being hopeless and downcast, they should be hopeful and rejoicing. For this Jesus of Nazareth that they had spoken about was the one that they had hoped for, that he was the redeemer of Israel, that he was the king not just of the Jews, but of the entire world. And so this brings us to our, our second point from verse 28 to 32 there. We see the big reveal. So they're walking to the village. Uh, they manage to get there, uh, still chatting. And Jesus says, oh, I'm, I'm going to go further. And they say, no, 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 come, come, come have dinner with us. And they're so keen to find out more about who this man, how does he know this, what he's been telling them. They're so interested. They say, no, come and have a meal. And so Jesus agrees and he sits down and he breaks the bread. And it's in that moment then that they realise exactly who this stranger is. Just like in the undercover boss where he takes off his disguise and and they're, they're shocked, the employees are shocked, they can't believe that, that this was that man. This is exactly the reaction we see here, that these two were so shocked that who this, this stranger is, that it's Jesus, the one that they had hoped for, the one that they were just talking about before. And it's through this breaking of bread that they realise that. They realise that this wasn't just a random stranger walking along a road. It wasn't a man who knew nothing about what had happened in Jerusalem. It wasn't even just a man who knew the scriptures very well. That he was the son of man, the son of God. He was the Messiah, the very one who had, been, who had fulfilled the scriptures. He was the saviour that they had hoped for. And this breaking of bread, maybe when you hear that, it Cast your mind back to other events of breaking of bread that we read about in the Bible. After the feeding of the 5,000, Peter confesses that Jesus is the Messiah and Jesus foretells of his 
suffering at the Son of Man, that he must die. At the Last Supper, Jesus tells them that the Son of Man is about to suffer and die. And then here we see that Jesus interprets the scriptures on the road and he reminds them that Christ had to suffer and die. And then, right now, Jesus is revealed through this breaking of bread and they're reminded once again how he had interpreted the scriptures. And we see in the coming verses that again they recount this story to the other disciples. And here is when everything changes for these two that the veil is lifted, that they're no longer blind to see who this stranger really is. Their eyes were opened, their hearts were opened. And we we read here that it says that their hearts were burning, that there's this intense, intense emotion and excitement that was going on when these scriptures were explained to them earlier. It's this idea of, of kind of lighting a fire under someone. It gets them passionate and excited. And it's through this breaking of bread, through this realisation that this is the resurrected Jesus, that they understand that Jesus is the one that has brought new life, that he had died and rose again on the third day like he had predicted, that death had no hold on him. It is through this resurrection that Jesus assumes his rightful place on the throne. It's through the resurrection that that Jesus made it possible for us to walk uh, into glory with him. And this is what the scriptures had all been pointing to from the Old Testament to now. It's all led to these days. And sometimes God works like this as well. And maybe you've had it in your life that God's working on people when they're not even really aware of what's going on in their hearts. That maybe a little bit later... They come to, to a true understanding of who Christ is and they think back and think, yeah, I, I remember all these little times where, where that and that and that was Christ opening up my eyes and my heart. There's a couple of times in my life where that happened, where I was going along in my life and listening to a sermon and, and suddenly a moment just clicked and my eyes were opened and my heart was stirred and there was excitement and there was a passion there and and. I was filled with awe and wonder. Maybe there were times where things suddenly made sense for you. You're just sitting uh, like you are now and listening to a sermon and suddenly something just happens. Maybe there are times that you went to church like any other Sunday and that Sunday is the Sunday you truly became a Christian. And we see here that when the, when the scripture is... is, is uh, truly explained and when we understand who Christ is, the resurrected Christ, that we can truly see the glory of God, that we're filled with this passion, with this excitement, with this fire in our hearts. And we see here the importance of correctly understanding and explaining the scripture and it's through this right understanding that we can see who Christ is. Unlike these two in Luke, we don't get to physically encounter Jesus like they did, walking and talking and and having a meal with him, but we can still encounter him. For we have the Holy Spirit. We have the Word of God in the Bible, the very words of Jesus that he spoke. 
We can encounter when we turn to the Bible, what's written, what we hear preached on the Sundays. Our own dead hearts can come to life. And then we can go and tell others about about what Jesus did and we can show them that it's really true. Look at these accounts that we read of, this one in Luke, for example. And so what did the disciples do with this burning, this, this fire in their hearts? Well, they didn't just sit around and finish their meal and say, wasn't that an amazing experience? No, of course not. We, we see they went out. They, they had to go and tell people. And that brings us to our third point, the reaction. We see in verse 33 to 35 there that they rose that very same hour and returned to Jerusalem that they were willing to, to lose sleep. It was believed to be probably about 12 o'clock at night or thereabouts, and yet they didn't want to sleep on that. They didn't want to wait and say, no, we'll go in the morning, we'll, we'll get some shut-eye. They were so excited to go out and to tell the disciples, their, their friends, about what had happened to them, that they left that, that very same hour. And they found the, the disciples and, and others gathered, the disciples who Cleopas and his friend had been with uh, earlier, who hadn't believed that this was Christ that had risen when the women had went to the tomb. And so they race over to say, we can't, we can't wait to tell these people, we're going to blow their minds. And I wonder if you've ever had this, when you've had something so exciting or, or crazy like that happen in your life, and, and you think, I can't wait to go and tell my, my wife, my husband, my friend, my parents. And so you rush over, you burst through the door and you're about to say what's happened and they say, no, no, before you tell us, we want to tell you something about crazy that's happened. And that's, that's what we see here essentially, that, that they come through the door and they say, wait, we're going to blow these, these guys' minds. It, it's going to be amazing. And just as they're about to say something, the disciples say there, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon exactly what they were going to say about what had happened at hours um, uh, distance of walking there had happened to them and it happened very much to Simon here. That it happened to these people. And so we get two accounts now. When we started the, the passage, we had no physical accounts of Jesus appearing. And by the end of this passage, we have two accounts of Jesus appearing to people. That's pretty amazing, really. I, I can't imagine being these disciples and just how awestruck uh, they would have been. And we see here that this, this double appearance of Christ really adds some, some credibility to what has happened, to what he said would happen, that he would rise again. And we know, we see throughout um, the later chapters that Christ didn't just appear to these people, he appeared to many, many more people before he ascended. And we also notice here that it says in verse 34, the Lord has risen indeed. And if you look back to the earlier verses that we read, the way that they describe Jesus is just Jesus of Nazareth, a man mighty. But here, through seeing who Jesus really is, understanding this is the resurrected, resurrected Christ, that they give him his rightful name. The Lord has appeared. They understand truly who he is. The disciples are no longer to feel abandoned or disappointed, but excited 
that their hope has been not just met, but in fact exceeded beyond their wildest dreams. And the key here is Jesus. That through this resurrection is the reason for their excitement, for their joy, that life is found in him. And God's word of promise to us should be a proclaimed word of hope to others. That people are disappointed, perhaps, that Jesus isn't who they thought he was. That they might be losing hope. But Jesus shows here that not all is lost. He explains the scriptures and the suffering that was needed. It's not a surprise to God that Jesus went through this. In fact, it was actually part of the evidence and part of his plan that this was to happen. That Christ's work and his word would come together and to show his love for the people, the sacrifice of Jesus. And so they go out and they share it with these other disciples, these two men. And so too, I think we can take something from that as well, that we too, when we have this this burning, this passion, this understanding of who Christ really is, we too should go out and share that with other people, that when we're so passionate and excited, it can't help but come out. We can't help but go out and tell everyone that we know what the effect has happened in our lives, that the realisation that Christ is the Messiah And we can go out and tell our own stories, our own evidence of of Christ's work in our lives. That we can tell how the Holy Spirit was stirring us, was working in our lives. We can tell how the Lord, Jesus Christ, was risen and is in our midst, in the Holy Spirit. That we have the scriptures that tell us, that show us, from the Old Testament to the New Beginning, that we read these personal accounts in Luke and throughout the Gospels, that we have no reason to be downcast, that we have no reason to feel helpless in our faith, that we don't need to feel abandoned by God when we walk about in our godless city, that we can feel confident, we can feel courageous and certain that Christ is the saviour of our souls, that he's the realised, risen prophet, that he's the priest and the king. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this account in Luke, for this personal account of how Christ met ordinary people and how it changed their lives forever. Lord, we thank you for an understanding of the scriptures that we can have, that we can see that it all points to the work of Christ on the cross and then in the huge and incredible resurrection a few days later. That how through this resurrection we can have new life, that, Christ, uh, that Satan is defeated and that Christ reigns. Lord, we thank you for the joy and the burning of our hearts when we come to truly understand and appreciate this. Lord, we pray for for more of that in the hearts of everyone here today and those loved ones that we know. Lord, we ask that we may truly know you and not just know of you and of Christ. Lord, we ask that we use this excitement, this joy, this wonder to fill us with courage as we go and proclaim this 
to those out in our cities and in our lives that may not know you so that they may too experience this joy. It's in your son's precious name we pray all these things. Amen.